Welcome to The Art of Intimate Marriage with Dr. Jennifer Conzin. Sensitive yet frank advice for enjoying every benefit of one of God's most fundamental gifts. Dr. Conzin is a licensed marriage and family counselor, sex therapist, as well as an adjunct professor, award-winning researcher, author, and speaker. With today's conversation on the biblical approach to fulfilling intimacy in marriage, here's Jennifer. Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Jennifer Conzin with The Art of Intimate Marriage. And we have been spending some time in the last few broadcasts talking about what your wife needs, what your husband needs to make sex enjoyable, to make it connecting. And you can go back and listen to those broadcasts by checking out my website, theartofintimatemarriage.com. Today, we're actually going to talk about some things we've hit on before, but we're going to go in more detail on conflict resolution tools and how to just do a better job when you're lis- when you're the person listening when you're the person needing to understand the other after this in the next broadcast we're going to talk more about conflict resolution tools when you're the one sharing when you're the one talking about what's something that's bothering you so today we're going to talk about some things that can be vital and make a big difference in how conflict goes in the way that you listen So just a reminder, this is based out of Proverbs 4, verse 7, that says, though it cost all you have, get understanding. One of the biggest things that makes a difference to each of us feeling heard, that when we feel heard, is when we sense from the other person that they really understand, at least to some extent, what it is we're sharing. So when someone comes to you and they're, it might be your spouse, and this is who we're obviously focusing on here because this is on marriage. When your spouse comes to you and they're talking to you about something that bothers them or something they're feeling about their day or something that happened at work, but especially when it's something that you've done that they're bothered by, it can be particularly hard to decide to be the understanding one, to be to seek understanding. And yet that is the goal. In fact, Proverbs here says that, that it costs a lot. In order to understand someone, it's going to cost you quite a bit. So remember this, though. When you're listening, it doesn't mean that you're just being a doormat or that you're agreeing with what they say. God doesn't call us to stop using our minds when we're listening. You're going to have, when someone comes to speak to you, you're going to have all kinds of different things you're feeling. And you're going to have your own set of thoughts and your own beliefs that come into play. So you're not going to ignore those. However, it is vital to take the time to listen. I love this out of... Proverbs 26, verse 4, do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself. So God doesn't want us to be a fool in how we respond to people, because then we're just joining them. So God does call us to speak honestly, to speak directly. So being a good listener doesn't mean you stop speaking honestly and directly. So that's kind of a caveat to what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, Leviticus 19.17 says, rebuke your neighbor frankly. So yes, responding to your spouse frankly is vital in how to be a good listener. So there's the caveat, right? How do you, though not be a doormat or not just zip your lip and shut up? How do you listen in a way that doesn't feel like 
you are completely shutting down all the different ways you're feeling and thinking during that conversation? How do you do it genuinely? Well, one of the things that happens is that when your spouse comes to you, it might bring up your own hurt. It might bring up your own anger. It might bring up something that bothers you. And the challenge is you don't want to get caught, and we've talked about this in previous broadcasts, you don't want to get caught in doing the finger pointing bit, you know, exercising that finger that's pointing back at the other. So this is Isaiah 58 verses 9 through 11 that says, do away with the pointing finger. It takes great humility to listen to another person when you do disagree with what they're saying or when your own hurt is coming up or when you have other views and your own thoughts and explanations or even wanting to fix it comes up when they're sharing. It is vital, however, that when we're listening, we take the position of humility. So this would be like in Proverbs 12, verse 1, that we are called. It says that actually we're stupid if we don't take correction. I love that, that the Bible actually has the word stupid in it. That's the S word, you know, that you tell all of your kids not to use when they're young. (laughs) And the Bible actually says, don't be stupid by not taking correction. So God does call us to be humble when someone is coming to us with how they feel. So it does cost a lot to understand. Remember in uh, Philippians 2, verses 3 through 4, it says, In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. When you're listening to someone, if you put that hat on that my job right now is to consider their needs above my own, it doesn't mean that you're going to be a doormat, like I mentioned, and it doesn't mean that your needs are not important, but you're deciding at that moment as you're listening to them, I am going to place their need for understanding above my need to explain myself or my need for them to understand me. And that takes great humility. It also takes great self-control. When we make it our heart to really strive to understand our spouse, to really hear them, to genuinely try to get in their shoes, well, to do that, we've really got to put ourselves aside. And that's why Philippians 2 is so helpful. This is not a doormat. This is deciding I am going to place your needs above my own. You know, a lot of the times when your spouse comes to you, your mind is going to start racing. You're going to possibly have all kinds of explanations. You're going to want to correct what they're saying. You're going to want to point out that that's not what actually happened, or you're going to want to defend why you did what you did. And sometimes you even might want to reassure them, oh, that's not what I meant. I'm so sorry. And you might want to apologize. All of these things sound like a good idea, but they get in the way of genuinely hearing and understanding what the other person is saying. You know, typically what people will say is, well, you know, like when your spouse comes to you or when a spouse comes to their partner, they, uh, you know, you might be tempted to respond with, well, excuse me, you're the one who, you know, that's the classic finger pointing. Yeah, but you, you know, those are classic finger pointing responses. And it might be that you want to make an explanation. Oh, wait, that's not what happened. Or I didn't mean that. And that might be your 
what pulls at you that you want to explain what it is they're coming to you with and, and telling you what they feel. You might want to fix it. If you're a, a spouse who tends towards fixing things when someone comes to you, you might want to say, okay, so how do you want me to say it next time? <laughs> That's a classic, no, don't say that. We actually have a joke between my husband and I that he will say, so, you know, that that exact phrase, so, so how do you want me to say it? And one of the things that we've talked through the years is that, well, it's really not how you say it. It's the heart behind what you're saying. So fixing how you say it isn't the answer. But boy, I get it. He wants to know, what do you want me to do differently next time? Well, that desire to fix it will get in the way of genuinely understanding why something was hard for somebody. So you may need to set that aside, that desire to say, okay, so how about next time we do this? That's that desire to fix. You may need to set that aside. And then again, if you are the individual that wants to reassure your spouse, oh, I didn't mean that, or that wants to apologize, oh, I don't think you are, I'm sorry you felt, remember, the defense, the explanation, the fixing it, the apologizing, they all might be helpful at one point. But initially, when your spouse is coming to talk to you, it's going to be important to set all those aside and to, and to think through, I want my spouse to feel like I'm really listening and really wanting to understand. So I'm going to talk a little bit uh, here before the end of the broadcast about using the shelf to put all those things on. But that's going to be vital. The main thing you want to check, though, is am I in that spot where I genuinely want to understand my spouse? Yes, notice that your other responses to fix, to explain, to defend, to apologize, those are normal. Everybody does them. However, sometimes the reason why we're not in that spot of wanting to really genuinely understand is because our own hurt, like I said, has come up. And if that's the case, it might be tempting to spend time on telling them about your own hurt. And it's not that your own hurt is unimportant. It's actually vital. So I am not recommending you zip your lip and shove it under the carpet and just go on. Don't ignore all those different things whirling around in your head. You need to give them some time. You need to give them some space. And so I've explained this in a previous podcast, but I'm taking some more time today to talk about the use of the shelf with all of those things. Take some time to take those hurts, to take that desire to explain, to take that desire to defend and place it up on that virtual shelf. Now, this isn't a shelf like you're going to close the door on it. You're going to forget that it's up there. Actually, I, I generally recommend kind of view it as something that's right in front of your eyes. It's a shelf that's smack in front of you that you can see it in your mind's eye. And you're going to place that desire to express your hurt. You're going to place that desire to defend or explain or apologize or reassure or to fix. You're going to place it up on that shelf temporarily. So you're not being a doormat. You're not ignoring your own needs. You're not zipping your mouth or shoving it under the carpet. You're just placing it. In fact, you're honoring it. Just like we would take a trophy, right? When your child gets a trophy, you place it up on a shelf or you put it in a cabinet to display it. Okay. So that's what this shelf is. It's to honor actually, those feelings you're having, to honor 
the desire to explain. And even defense can have some important pieces to it. So you're going to honor those those different responses that are whirling around in your head, and you're going to temporarily place them up on that shelf. But I tell you, when I work with couples and I explain the shelf and how to do it, it's one thing to explain it. It's a whole other thing to talk about it, um, to do it. It's a whole other thing to put it into practice. I actually once had a an individual that I was a couple that I was working with and we had a pillow on the couch and and we talked about okay so let's pretend this pillow is that desire to express what you're thinking and feeling in your own hearts and your disagreement we're going to take this pillow and we're going to put it up on the shelf so that's that's all those desires and how you want to respond we're going to put it up on the shelf and we're going to keep it up there until we're done listening and we're done validating the other And so while we were practicing and I was coaching their communication, the pillow literally fell off of the shelf right down among us. And we were laughing because that's what he was experiencing. The pillow just kept coming down. That sometimes when you're trying really hard to set yourself aside, to really listen to the other, the things you're trying to set aside just keeps coming down and swinging right in front of your face. And it's really hard to hear what they're saying because your stuff is hanging there in front of you. It is vital when you can feel that happening to you, take a time out until you can get yourself to a point of really genuinely being able to listen and hear and understand, where you can get yourself to a point where I want to get in my spouse's shoes. I genuinely want to hear them. And until you're there, you might need to go take a time out to get yourself there. And then when you are, you can come back and try again being the listener. So when your own hurt comes up, when the desire to explain and defend and fix and apologize comes up, go ahead, use that shelf, maybe take a time out to help yourself get there. I'm going to go and explain some other pieces on conflict resolution tools for the listener. However, let me just explain what you're listening to today. This is a weekly broadcast on KBright on Saturday mornings, but it is recorded on a podcast version on my website. So if you're listening to things about marriage, uh, you can go back and listen to previous broadcasts by They're all recorded on The Art of Intimate Marriage, my website. You can also find this material in a book format. So this is straight out of The Art of Intimate Marriage book. You can find it on Amazon. You can find the link on the website. We do have another book written for those who are not married called Redeemed Sexuality. You can also find the link for that on the website. You can also find that on Amazon. If if the things I'm sharing with you about communication today are challenging, you'll find other broadcasts explaining this in some uh, different levels of detail. You can also find on our website a link to purchasing our communication cards, the intimate marriage cards. They uh, Many couples have found these to be very helpful. We were just recently in Hawaii and we had a bunch of couples buy a bunch of decks and they all canceled their meeting for Sunday night so all of the couples could go home and practice communicating with their communication cards. They're they're pretty helpful. So go ahead and go buy a set. You can also, that just remember, this is a listener-supported ministry. You can go on our website and support this ministry by making a donation there. So lots of tools there on the website. Let's get back to some practicals on conflict resolution, on how to be, 
how to really listen to the point of genuinely understanding your spouse. So we've been talking about checking. Am I at that spot where I really want to understand, where I'm really using the shelf, you know, that uh, virtual shelf? And later we're going to go into more detail about what to do with that shelf after you've listened to your spouse. But in the meantime, you may need some practice putting your feelings and thoughts up there, honoring them up there. And then when you make that decision to consider your spouse better, I tell you, that is imitating the very heart of Christ. When you look further in Philippians 2, it says, having the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. In our day and age, it is not very popular to read that scripture. <laughs> To make yourself nothing, because we think of that in terms of being the doormat. And maybe that's what some of you have been, because I'm actually going to spend a little bit of time in today's broadcast also. No, this is actually in our next broadcast, talking about the avoiders and the uh, those who tend to avoid conflict. So maybe you're an avoider and you just shut yourself up and you might think, you know, I've been doing that for years and I'm not going to do it anymore. That's quite a bit different than what we're talking about here. Choosing to delay expressing your own thoughts and feelings and opinions is really an issue of making yourself nothing and imitating the very heart of Jesus, deciding I am making you more important than myself and I'm taking the very nature of a servant. One of the things that's really helped me through the years in Philippians 2 is it says that Jesus did not grasp equality with God. He knew, I mean, obviously Jesus knew who he was. He was God in the flesh and yet he chose not to grasp that equality. And so what I'm talking with married couples, especially with women, and it's helped me a ton, is that there is equality. God's made us equal. So making yourself nothing has nothing to do with that you're not equal. You're making yourself a doormat, that you're not equal to your spouse. You are equal. You're just making a decision that you're not going to grasp that equality. You're not going to fight for it. You're saying, you know what, right now I'm going to serve my spouse by really genuinely listening. This is not stuffing yourself down. It's not stuffing yourself, stuffing the stuff that you feel deep down and ignoring it. That's not what it is. It's saying, I'm going to put the cross of Christ into practice in my marriage. So try it out. See if that works. Let's talk about some other practicals, though. I just mentioned a timeout. How do you do that? Again, I'm going to take a little bit more time today to explain it because this is vital. There's a lot of couples that take timeouts, but they don't do it in a way that creates connection. And that's the goal of taking a time out. When you do feel like I want to understand, but I can feel all that stuff bubbling up inside of me, it's important how you word to your spouse. And this is what I generally recommend saying is, hey, I can feel myself reacting right now. And so what I want to do is, what I need to do is take a time out. So how about... Can we come together? Can we talk about this again in about 30 minutes? So notice a few things in the wording that I've used right there. You're taking the time out for yourself. You're not saying to your spouse, you know, I really don't like the way you're saying this right now. So I'm leaving. You know, you're not finger pointing. You're not accusing them. You're not blaming them. You're not attacking them. You're saying, 
I can feel myself reacting. And so, because the reality is you probably are. When your spouse comes to you and expresses how they feel, your heart rate is probably going to go up. And so it's vital to take the time to let that heart rate come back down. So a timeout allows you to do that. It allows you to go and breathe. And I tell people, when you breathe, take that low breath in the nose and blow it out slowly until there's nothing left. Low belly breaths, low diaphragmatic breathing. Go take that walk. Go call that friend. Go review that scripture. Go do whatever you need to let your body come back down to a non-reactive state. Not that it's an important state, but it's really difficult to listen when your heart rate's up and you're you're feeling flushed and hot and your body becomes tense and your breathing gets short and quick. So we need time timeouts at times. So take it, but make sure that you're taking it for you. Hey, I can feel myself reacting. I actually need a timeout right now. And then always put a time on it. I'd, how about we talk about this in 30 minutes? If you're going to request a timeout, it's vital that you come back to it and say, Hey, in that 30 minutes. Now in that 30 minutes, you might not be ready to talk and that's understandable. If you're not, you just come back in that 30 minutes and say, you know what? I know I, I said I wanted to talk in 30 minutes. I might need a little bit more time to get myself where I want to be. So how about we talk about this after dinner? How about we talk about this first thing in the morning? You know, I tell couples when they say, you know, we have to deal, you know, in your anger, uh, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And most of the time arguments happen when the sun's already gone down. Don't try to take care of it when you're tired. Get some rest, perhaps. There are couples that have stayed up late at night, worked things out, more power to you. Most of the time, though, people need to, you know, shut down their brains for a little bit, get some rest, and then come back to the issue. So timeouts are vital because when you are heated in a tense moment, you're not going to you're not going to convey, you're not going to listen very well. So again, today is about the listener. You're not going to listen very well. And so take that time. In reality, when your emotions and your defenses are up there, it takes over your body. And it dis, it's very disruptive to your own ability to have any kind of empathy for your spouse. So when you're feeling that, that physiological response, take the time and make sure that you come back to your spouse and say, okay, I'm now ready to talk. The, let's look at uh, Ephesians 4, verse 26, right? That's what I just mentioned. It says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. What that actually means is when you look at the entire passage of Ephesians 4 and multiple other passages on resolving conflict like Matthew 5, where it says settle matters quickly, and multiple passages in Proverbs. What that actually means is it's a principle of don't delay. Don't put it off. Don't wait forever. In fact, don't avoid it. So yes, because delaying dealing with conflict is problematic. However, if you're not in a spot to genuinely listen to your spouse, and that is what the scriptures teach, that you are called to honor them and consider them more important than yourself, and you're just not in a spot to do that, then you're going to need to take that time. And that sun is already down. Go to bed. Talk about it when you're calmer. So it's Matthew 5.25 that says, settle matters quickly. So take that. Don't give the devil a foothold, Ephesians 4.27. You know, why? 
Because if you do wait too long, so this is if you don't come back and say, okay, in 30 minutes, let's talk about it. Let's say you're the type that says, I'm taking a time out and you never come back to it. Then you're setting yourself up for a breeding ground for resentment. So this would be Hebrews 12, 15 that says, don't let resentment take a hold. That the seeds of resentment grow up and cause trouble and defile many. Hebrews shares. So you don't want resentment to build. I actually had a couple recently tell me that it doesn't work for their partner to wait to talk because their brain just starts worrying and they attack even more and they just get even more anxious and more tight and more upset. You know, sometimes that's more about I need to learn to deal with my anxiety than anything else. And I may need to say, hey, I'm really hurt by what you're saying. There may be some level of communication that needs to happen. However, you might need to let the steam out a teeny bit and then go take that time out. It's just vital. It's hard to find that balance between not letting the devil get a foothold and not waiting too long to talk and settling matters quickly, but then also taking time to get your heart to a spot where you can really listen to the other. So find that balance, practice that balance, talk to your spouse about how you want to utilize these things. In fact, what I usually recommend is that spouses practice timeouts because how you take a timeout is going to make a big difference in how your spouse is able to respond to it. If you say something like, you know what, I don't like how you're talking, I'm taking a timeout. That's just not going to go very well. Or if you say, I'm taking a time out, and then you just walk out of the room, that's not going to go very well. One's going to cause defensiveness, and the other's going to cause a lot of anxiety. So it's vital. Practice them. Tell each other how you want to take a time out. So after you listen to this, think about what are some of the areas I need to work on. I, not my spouse, I need to work on, on how to listen on how to seek understanding. And then I'm going to sit and talk with my spouse and we're going to practice how to take a time out. And then make sure you have a good plan on what you're going to do. Like we've said, you want to take that time to go walk, to go write, to go talk to somebody so that you can be in that spot to genuinely listen and understand. The other piece is, this is just for future because on our next broadcast, we're going to talk about being the speaker if your spouse is the one who asks for the time out, make sure that you give them the breathing room to take the time out. So today we've talked about how to really work on being a good listener, a conflict resolution skill on learning skills to be understanding. Hope this is helpful. Feel free to read more up on that. This is Dr. Jennifer Conzen with The Art of Intimate Marriage. Thank you for joining us for The Art of Intimate Marriage. Now, let's be real. This is not a typical radio program, and we know it generates questions. If you have one you'd like Dr. Conzen to address here on air, email her at jenniferconzen at yahoo.com. Conzen is spelled K-O-N-Z-E-N, jenniferconzen at yahoo.com. We hope today's program was beneficial to you, and if you agree this unique voice should be on the air, your donations will help keep it there. To give or to get more information about the ministry, Dr. Kanzen's Center for Sexuality in San Diego, or to get more resources for improving intimacy in marriage, visit us on the web at theartofintimatemarriage.com. 
And for more on experiencing the marriage God designed, join us this same time next week for The Art of Intimate Marriage.